Hi, I'm Josh. And I'm Matt. And welcome to Trowel and Mike, a podcast on archaeology and adventure. Sadly, Mike couldn't be with us today. Yeah, he's not switched on today. Oh, poor guy. <sighs> now, we don't have any news stories or, in fact, the Uncharted podcast, which I've been working on for the last what, and, month now. And promising. And for, promising. For, for more than that. Yeah, for a very long time. My apologies. It's, uh, it is coming along. Yeah, I mean, you should feel really bad. I mean, there's two of us in this and you're letting us both down by not doing all the work. This is just a, a short notice to let you know that, unlike the things we like to study, we are not dead yet. We are in ruins, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but no, today I thought, while I'm still trying to wrap up the, the next episode, we can just kind of introduce ourselves a little bit more. Hello. Um, yes, hello. Um, so, look... Matthew, yeah, when when and what got you into archaeology? Well, uh, I always enjoyed history as a kid. And when I was in high school, all of my best marks were in my history classes. And I just sort of said, well, hey, let's focus on history. And I chose archaeology over a historian as a profession, just simply because the archaeologist gets to go outdoors. And yeah, so that's where I, how I ended up here. Yeah, you pre- <laughs> say it like it's a bad thing. Yeah, well, you know, bottom of the trench. That's it. Um, but no, that's that's exactly right. Like in archaeology, you pretty much get to go out and see history. It's not just well, it is a lot of reading, um, mm. a lot of research. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, you actually when you're out there, and, and the beauty of it, I guess, the appeal of it is you can be that person to dig something out that hasn't been seen in thousands mm. of years or hundreds of years or wherever you're digging whatever context mm. it's 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 great like it's uh it's the, the excitement behind it like and I, I think something i know now in hindsight is that it's the same with historians it's just it's not so much say uh, an amphora or a piece of pottery that they might discover or rediscover um but a document or something hidden in documentation Exactly, and I, yeah. And I think that can be just as exciting now in hindsight. We both had that we both had that class where um, there are a couple of historic documents that were well, facsimiles of historic do- documents were given and they actually had uh, secret messages encoded in them. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to be uh, a lot to be interpreted still. And it's like that um, that news story from a couple of podcasts ago where they had found a uh, invisible ink that they're able to uh, to highlight on ancient Egyptian um, papyrus. Mm. So yeah, there's there's certainly a lot to lot to um, keep researching, keep finding. So yeah. And how about you, Josh? How did you get into archaeology? Yeah, well, I can thank my dad for a lot of it. Uh, I watched Indiana Jones from a young age. Yes, I'll admit it. That certainly <laughs> no no. That certainly had a um, a big impact on me when I was when I was a kid. So I think I watched that when I was about four. Um, yeah, some some poor uh, Indian villager getting his heart ripped out by the uh, cult of Kali didn't uh, didn't put me off when I was that that young. That's just great parenting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, look look, Indiana Jones aside, um, my dad travelled a lot for work as well, um, and he would always bring back replica artifacts from where he went. So places like Fiji, America, um, Europe, he'd, he'd come back with some um, little replica or a book or something like that from a museum. And yeah, just I just loved all of that, um, 
all the world's cultural property and um mum always encouraged me to be outside too so whenever i would go out somewhere and or even if we went to a playground i'd always be in the sandpit just digging things up <laughs> and yeah. half the time I, I actually got lucky and found things and i mean it's, it's that that sort of feeling from being a really young kid that just kept me going yeah i mean your mum was probably telling you to get out of the house because you were annoying her but uh Most, but, but at least something good came out of yeah, it. yeah more than likely but yeah that, that's um that's exactly it you know just always had a like like you as well always just really enjoyed history um through school and, and classics and yeah it just hasn't changed mm. in your in your studies and even beforehand would you say you have a favorite archaeologist or archaeologists well, i'll be honest and say that before i started studying archaeology at university i probably didn't actually know any real life archaeologists um but during my time at uni, I had to study the work of Mortimer Wheeler. And so I, I guess I've got a soft spot for him. Yeah, he's he's fantastic and um, pretty much made archaeology public. Yeah, well, he's one of the sort of pioneers of the evolution of archaeology into what it is today and how it's seen today by the wider public mm-hmm. um, by actually bringing the public onto sites and into the work and showing people what we do and including them. That's right. He did, um, he did television interviews, broadcasts on the radio and whatnot as well. So Yeah. Well, these days, you, you know, people might know Tony Robinson and Time Team and stuff like that. But Mortimer Wheeler was like really a pioneer of the archaeologist celebrity on TV. Which is great. Yeah. Um, we will talk about him in the future podcast on uh, how to rescavate, uh, that being how not to to dig up um, ancient artifacts and, and excavate sites. So Not because he was bad at it, but no, because but he uh, is a, a, well, he's important to that discussion. Yeah, he's, he um, came up with some very, very revolutionary um, methods of excavation. Um, yeah, so well, he, he's passed away now, the poor guy, but uh, do you have anyone currently... Currently kicking, I digging. Yeah. Being a uh, big time team geek, uh, I always enjoy watching Phil Harding get into the trench and getting his hands dirty. And while I've not met him in real life, his, at the very least, television persona, I think, uh, is great. Hmm. His uh, keenness for methodology and the archaeology. I'll never forget this great scene on Time Team where one of the cameramen steps back into his trench and he just goes ballistic at him. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's like the like the gif we put out when that guy just puts his uh, <laughs> yeah. straight through the skull. <laughs> yeah. It's like this, the exact same thing can happen when you see people jump into a trench like a, a, a someone who's newly on site. You're like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. You could be crushing anything. Yeah. Um, I've never seen a death stare like that one. Oh, Phil Harding gave the cameraman. It's, yeah, it's you got to be careful, that's for sure. Yeah. As well as Phil Harding, another uh, character I met through the Time Team series was Francis Pryor, who also featured on Time Team quite a bit, and just his excitement and his genuine joy and passion at archaeology has just been a source of great inspiration uh, for me. Uh, and uh, what about you? Any uh, archaeological yeah, crushes? I've been racking my brain. Um, you certainly know most of them. That's, that's the problem, I think. Um, obviously, a huge Howard Carter fan. You know, n- never gave up and just uh, ended up finding Tutankhamun's tomb. And um, there's a great little story about him 
uh, where he suspected someone of looting uh, a site in Egypt and you know, he got on his bicycle at the time and was literally following him through Egypt, through uh, through the streets of Luxor or something. I'll have to, I'll have to check my sources, but um, I'm a big sucker for those early archaeologists that even though they, they themselves were, I guess, more like Indiana Jones, like get in there, get the artifacts, take them back home to the museum, it's still... <laughs> you're still removing it from the from the country uh the source country so it is debatable these days but back in the day like there's still so much passion for the whole it belongs in a museum theme Mm. um along with howard carter if we're sticking with egypt uh a frenchie um called gaston maspero a big big fan of his his as well but there's a little bit of uh, controversy there because apparently he caught some looters interrogated them um you know actually punched them up a bit um but ended up finding out a hidden cache of mummies that they were planning on selling um, and like from a tomb they had looted. So he managed to get the information out of them a little bit roughly, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he was, he was excellent as well. I think what I like a lot about Maspero is that when he was young, he was in Egypt, his father was doing tours there and he went to a local bookstore and he couldn't afford this book on Egypt, but the bookseller was so fascinated with his knowledge. And he said, look, when you, uh, when you hit big in, in Egyptology, when you're older, you know, just come pay me back. And, and he wow. did, he did guess when it comes to living archeologists, I mean, God, there's just so many, um, a little bit of a, a crush on probably professor Donna Yates. Um, she is one of the, uh, she's one of the foundations, I guess, for, trafficking culture project at the university of glasgow so her research all of her research heavily involves the antiquities trade um and stopping people looting sites so another one would be sarah pakak as well with her uh, global explorer program which i've mentioned a few times so loving those two um but then a lot of a lot of my other uh i guess celebrity crushes uh tend to focus on the borderline criminology and archaeology so whether they can actually be classified as archaeologists not you know it's a fine line but yeah, i've talked too much yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um i've got a little notebook you've seen it uh adam fazlari that we interviewed the other week he got it for me quite a while ago in there i've started writing sort of what i call the life lessons of archaeology and adventure and right. so you know if you're ever traveling you're ever digging you're ever working then i like to have these sort of quotes and from people I've met or people that have since passed, just they're little sources of inspiration for me. And could you say you've either heard a quote or you've learned something in archaeology that's stuck with you, whether it's funny or whether it's real or applicable in any way? Francis Pryor had a lot of great quotes that I loved and agreed with, but it's been a long time since I've had a really good look at his stuff. So I had to do a bit of research to uh, find one. So for you viewers out there, we actually did a break there, so I had time to have a look. But um, there's something that Francis wrote on uh, his blog. Uh, Most of my worries are about the general disregard for the achievements of people in the past and the failure of politicians, both local and national, to learn from the lessons of history. And that's something that I am always worried about. People in our day and age not learning from history or not being interested in history and taking those lessons to heart. Exactly right. Yeah. But also on a lighter note, uh, I'll never forget, once again, back to our early studies in archaeology 
uh, one of our professors uh, stating that if you find something and you cannot work out what it was used for, what its purpose was, it must be ritualistic. <laughs> Just assume it's ritualistic and categorise it. Yeah, declare it, declare it ritual. That's mm. it. Oh, that's, I, I remember, I think I was in the same class. It, it's, it's very true though. I mean, what were you saying before about like, um, we, we can't always be uh, completely accurate on what we find and, and determine what it was used for. So that's right. yeah, if something, you, you dig up something that uh, really have no clue, then by all means, it could very well have been used for a ritualistic purpose. That's right. How about you, Josh? Yeah, well, someone we both met, uh, you had the pleasure of going to uh, Japan when he was president of the World Archaeological Congress. Is he still the president? Actually, I think he is until the next turnover, yeah. But um, a professor known as Koji Mizuguchi, he did a course with our one of our professors, um, Claire Smith, uh, a little while back, um, on global social archaeology. That's right. And I remember he said this quote, which is just brilliant. It is just so perfect in every way. But he said, we study the past in the present where the past does not exist on its own, but is made to exist by us social beings. And so essentially, we create the past uh, as archaeologists. And you've got to be so careful in doing so. And it very, very well uh, ties in with your prior quote there as well. Like we've got to understand history, but we've got to make sure that everyone understands it for the right reasons. And that, yeah, we don't, we don't create a a history that's going to negatively affect us in any way. I mean, we, we, we need to learn, learn from history. And again, that once again ties back into all the stuff we've talked about with the Nazis. Exactly. uh, Doctoring history to work in their favor exactly so yeah two two fantastic quotes by two two archaeologists on either side of the globe there um but yeah on a on a uh lighter note i'll say this actually came from one of my friends in school max uh not so much an archaeology quote but i do have it in my uh little notebook there but it's whenever you go to another country it's the first thing you can do. And this applies to volunteer digs around the world. And I'll certainly be doing this before I dig in Peru next year. But uh, learn the swear words in that language before you travel there. Because no matter where you go, you're going to find out if you're in trouble by the way they start talking at you. <laughs> and so if someone's, <laughs> someone's got a bit of a, a gripe, like if I'm doing the wrong thing and in this excavation and uh yeah i want to know if i've done the wrong thing so i'll pick up those telltale signs but yeah i think that's always been a a bit of advice that stuck with me and and very very much applicable to to uh volunteering around the world so yeah good one thank you now you've traveled a fair bit uh you have any favorite sites in the world that you visited or well, for me, I've got a soft spot for Japan, mm-hmm. and on my last trip to Japan, I had the privilege of visiting a few sites, um, but in particular, the Koshiki Zuka tumulus um, in Kobe, Hyogo Prefecture, I believe it was, um, was pretty special, which is a large Kohun uh, tomb, which are the keyhole-shaped tombs, which 
we mentioned a few weeks ago being added to the UNESCO World Heritage Site. That's right. Uh, those were a different uh, cluster than this one. I'm not sure if this one's in the list already or not. Um, but also uh, were the Kyushu Earthwork Burial Circles uh, in Japan's northern island of Hokkaido, just outside of uh, Eniwa City, I believe. Mm. Um, it was the first time, both cases was the first time I'd been anywhere near a burial structure like those, and it was just an incredible feeling to be standing with them. From yeah, from the pictures you've shown me before, they look quite quite big. That's uh... yeah. Well, the the Kofun tomb in particular was you know they, they get compared to pyramids. Not that this was yeah, they... on the scale of of the Great Pyramids or anything. Lengthwise, um, though, be pretty close. Uh, it was pretty long. I don't think I don't think it's anything like the Great Pyramid in size, but the just the burial rings as well. Um, just just fascinating because I don't think in Australia we have burial structures like that no. i know there's burial indigenous burials and whatnot but i don't think there's something quite like that and yourself oh yeah yeah uh oof. oh i gotta say i left a piece of my heart in petra in uh in jordan that city uh, i could spend days there i did spend days there but i could spend weeks there rather it's just incredible that feat of architecture and that blend of cultures being an ancient trade route um it's just it's sensational. There's, there's nothing like it. Yeah, e- Egypt had had plenty of incredible sites as well, and the pyramids are, and the Sphinx are certainly something to behold. But no, nah, Petra is definitely at the top of my list there. Probably my favourite. Um, so <laughs> we don't really have much else to ask each other, uh, at least not at this stage. But um, our friend Maddie has shot us a few questions that I thought perhaps might be might be worth mentioning. Oh, um, okay. Asking. What would you say is your crowning achievement so far, Matt? Probably getting to visit those sites and go to that conference in Japan that I was just talking about. Um, That just, yeah, that was amazing, getting to mingle with real archaeologists, not just Josh, who's a, you know, like me, a failure. Um, (laughs) Don't have to include that, but you should. Um, Definitely including that. Yeah, um, no, no, that's that's fair. I think think, uh, probably much the same for myself. Um, volunteered at the World Archaeological Congress number seven, and that was in Jordan. Uh, number eight was the one you went to in Japan. Correct. Yeah. So it's just a, just a great uh, it's a great opportunity to really delve into your preferences, really, because like, there's archaeologists from all over the world talking about all these different things. Yeah, so you get there and they give you this really thick portfolio of just all the people that are that are speaking and, and their sort of research, um, their research questions. And... It's great. You can kind of just pick and choose where you want to where you want to go. Um, being a being a volunteer when I went, I was recording a lot of the sessions um, with the cameras there, but uh, I managed to kind of mingle at the at the party and have a few champagnes and get a bit merry, and then uh, ended up being able to weasel my way into recording the sessions I wanted to record, which predominantly all black market and whatnot. But hmm. being able to go to that was in uh, at the Dead Sea in Jordan, so I was I was really happy to get there. And the desert is de- definitely uh, one of my favourite places. Yeah, although well, the Congress I went to was in Kyoto, which is a beautiful city. Um, and it's funny what you mentioned about managing to mingle and all of that. I remember waiting in line for the the uh, final dinner or the big dinner to close, closing ceremony. That was it. And I just remember waiting in line and started chatting with this Japanese lady in the line uh, in front of me. And uh, she turned out to be working on 
Kofun tombs again and 3D modeling of them. And then somehow I ended up sitting at a table with her and a whole bunch of her colleagues and um, just getting to chat with them, which was incredible. That's awesome. At, um, at, at, at the final dinner at ours, I was danced with uh, Bedouins. <laughs> they, had the, they had the knife belts on and yeah, mine that we, we, had, we had a belly dancer and then um, some of the friends I'd made um, I was speaking Arabic with they taught me how to dance we ended up dancing with the Bedouin and they, they formed like a whole line it's it's almost kind of like a almost like a line dancing but um, but yeah they have their own own way of the of using their fancy footwork so yeah it's, it's a great celebration of cultures of good clash of cultures mm. but in a good way like everyone's everyone's fighting for the right thing archaeologists are awesome most of the time most of the time <laughs> um, got another one here Matt she has asked us Oh, I like this one. If you didn't study archaeology, what would you study instead? Um, well, I've always enjoyed movies. And I've thought about, yeah, something film-related would probably be quite good. Maybe. Maybe script writing. Or screenwriting, sorry, I should say. Yeah, maybe. I could definitely see you doing that. Yeah, because I know yeah. how much you, you love your... um. I, I, know, I, know you, I know you enjoy that. Yeah, no, I guess stuff. so. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, if I didn't study archaeology, I probably would be a police officer by now, is my guess. Yeah, not really not really sure what else I'd do other, other than that. Yeah, mm. police in the past or, or I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> I can't think of anything else. It'd be, it'd be closely related to archaeology anyway, I think. I've always had a, had a, uh, had a love for finding things and solving things, so... Uh, mm. Maybe a writer as well. Uh, mm. I like writing. One more before we uh, say our farewells. Sure. Uh, another one here. Um, where did you study and what are you specialised in? Well, we both studied at Flinders Uni. That's right. Josh, you finished your undergrad, I think. And Correct. I've done undergrad and a postgrad year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had more of just a general focus with just a stock standard graduate degree in archaeology. And you had something... More. Yeah, I, I I predominantly focused on heritage, um, preserving the past and whatnot. Uh, we both did a fair amount of field work and, and field work studies, field schools and whatnot, which is great fun as well. Mm. You your electives were generally in like uh, your media, like a uh, film and stuff, wasn't it? I did one elective in it, um, but I was also able to use some film stuff in one of my other classes as well. A re, a re recreation topic that's right that was that was brilliant yeah. I did watch that um i myself focused on history and language as my um electives doing french and spanish so a little bit of latin and greek in my spare time mm. i wanted to study japanese but flinders didn't offer it no unfortunately no they don't hey but oh the other question was yeah specialization so i guess i'm still hoping to go back to study um but uh, yeah, I've, I've mentioned this a few times now. Art crime, antiquities trafficking, pretty much the black market and archaeology is my my absolute passion. So I'll keep studying towards that, um, studying that and reducing reducing the loss of our universal heritage. Yeah, I I've always I've always thought that I would go back and study, but at the same time, I want to study something which does. I guess mean something to me. Um, I've done the sort of the general side of things, um, 
but I haven't, I guess, really found that focus precisely. But as I keep saying, I've got a soft spot for Japan, but that's, you know, that's all well and good. But I need to find out what to do with that, I guess. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we've got plenty of time to find our footing, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) (coughs) what is the most difficult part of being an archaeologist the lack of work yep for us Uh, and for me in particular waiting for josh to uh, come up with the scripts for these podcasts but yeah like as i as i think i mentioned at the start of this podcast um i am hoping to take a little bit of time off from work nothing too crazy but just enough to write a few scripts ahead so we'll catch up lost time but yeah this is Jeez, this is the most work we've done on archaeology and it's mainly independent study um, since 2015, December. I reckon we both did a salvage dig in Glenelg for a, a, an old friend and colleague. Um, we There was a, a plot of land that was going to get um, redeveloped. Re- redeveloped and we did a, yeah, a salvage or rescue dig, which we'll talk about in detail at some stage. It's something that we've both... Um, qualified in and, and thoroughly enjoy but essentially um they call it a rescue because it, actually it's it's, a, it's pretty much what time team does uh, a lot of the time as well like someone may dig something up and that's but you know there may be a road getting developed on that land or a new building's going up a new apartment block that sort of thing so they just send people in quickly um what can you find in a limited amount of time and you know what can we record and and preserve and so in this case we dug up an old what was it? It was like an old hotel slash brothel slash no, it wasn't orphanage. A, it wasn't a brothel. It was a hotel. Um, I don't think it was an orphanage either. I don't know where you or got Or a that. school or something? No, it was just a hotel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it had a had like a history. No, I was like, history I'm pretty sure it was just a pub and a hotel. Oh. With a stable out the back. Right. Oh, am I thinking of Red Banks? Or something about uh, what we yeah, found? Yeah, well, or... I remember we found... I, rem- I remember in my trench uh, a Lee Enfield shell casing from... A Lee Enfield rifle yeah, from right. World War One. I. I can't remember if you were there for that or not. That, that might have been a day you weren't there. That was the that was the first dig where they got the volunteers from the uni because um, I I couldn't make it all the days because I was working. That's but right. Yeah, I think I made two or three, or like Wednesday to Friday or something like that. That's right. Yeah, and I made it to the first few, whereas you made it to the last few or something like that. That's right. Yeah. And then there's, <laughs> there's that guy. Obey. There's yeah. There's a. There's always one kid on a dig who just takes charge, just wants to be above everyone else. And uh, Matthew had forewarned me about him. Obey. (laughs) He's wearing a cap with that that brand, Obey. Um, And I'm like, let me guess. He's like, Matthew's just losing it, losing it during the the site briefing. (laughs) It's just way to announce yourself. Um, But yeah, so we, uh, Matthew and I got invited back. One of the fellow archaeologists who actually worked at the uni a guy called Rob, which we got a lot of respect for. Yeah, um, we went there and yeah, just did a did a very quick dig and found some old bottles and and uh, part of an old sign. Um, got a bucket dropped on my head. You did? Yeah, no, it was, it was keep all, the bucket. <laughs> it, was, it was all fun and games and a little bit of threatening moments with the shovel until but, the bucket uh, hit me in the head. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the last last bit of actual work we've done and, and then again we weren't really paid for that either except for in in, in booze and, and respect and i didn't even get the respect or the booze really oh, you got a bottle of port didn't you i did too yeah there you go uh, i had to drive um <laughs> where would you travel next if you could go to a dig somewhere japan done yeah 
South America, but also England. <laughs> yeah, England was good. So yeah, guys, this is just a just a short one from us today. Um, again, apologies for the delays. Um, just been we've both been so flat out lately uh, with um, with a lot of a lot of work outside of. Uh, the podcast that we do all this in our spare time and you frankly don't get much of it so no and there's been family stuff going on and birthdays and illnesses and people who think that um remodeling our cars for us when we don't ask them to flat earthers yeah there's they're yeah they're everywhere um the other yeah the other thing is i've just got all my books back from a uh from a long trip um from overseas so i've got all my archaeology stuff back and i'm chuffed so i've been floating through all this stuff uh organizing different episodes as well so uh, as i mentioned at the start there um untitled podcast is almost finished i'm doing some spanish translations of an old letter at the moment which is pretty cool um that'll be up and running hopefully next saturday um sorry recording next saturday uh after that we're going to do our episode on how not to sorry how to excavate how not to excavate um after that we've got a few other um podcasts we're working on being a field walking uh, a guide to archaeological theory or like a bluffer's guide we're also working on um the archaeology of uncharted three uh two and two three and four as well um and then yeah we'll, we'll jump into some other f- methods of field work and whatnot too so have more of an educational experience and not just a uh not just a popular popular media nerds yeah archaeology as well like we've been focusing on um also a few more interviews to be coming up as well i've got my friend bella who uh was recently at an archaeology conference um the nasc conference it's national archaeology students conference i believe it's the acronym um who's going to have a chat with us at some stage i've also got uh olivier who's currently on site in egypt um, who is looking forward to a chat as well. I've got a maritime archaeologist on, on, on the lineup. I've also got a professor of archaeology, recent professor, um, awarded his PhD, and he's teaching classics too. So we've got a little bit of a lineup ahead, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, so in the meantime, guys, stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll keep any updates headed your way. Uh, feel free to leave us a, a comment. We would love to answer any questions you have on archaeology or any of the topics we hope to explore uh, in the coming episodes. Thank you for bearing with us. We are we are still we're still kicking. Just, <laughs> just. All right. Bye for now, guys. Bye. Did you know Aristotle drank? Aristotle. No. Don't even think about it. <laughs>